0: The point is, you know, if, if I wasn't relentless on every one of these deals, I probably would have lost.
1: Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode and the interview with our best ever guest, I want to mention Fund That Flip because Fund That Flip is an online lender that gives you fast, convenient access to really affordable money that you need for your flip project. So if you're doing residential flips, then the main thing I imagine that you're focused on. Uh, Or the main two things are the deal and the money. Uh, So if you've got the deal pipeline, but you need access to cash and you want to build a reputation within a a group that will continue to invest their dollars into your deals, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. then fund that flips the way to go their team has over 200 deals under their belt and uh, you can actually this is crazy you can actually be approved immediately within 30 seconds once you put in your information uh, so go to fund that forward slash best ever and get some money for your flipping projects Hi, Best Ever listeners, welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Joe Fairless, and well, let's dive right in with our Best Ever guest. How you doing, Ash Patel?
0: Doing great, Joe. Thank you.
1: Yeah, well, you're welcome, first and foremost. And welcome to the show. Um, you're based in Cincinnati, Ohio, similar to me, and the interesting thing, well, there are many interesting things about your background. One of them is that the total value of properties that... Uh, Ash owns is $6 million and he owns seven properties. Uh, So we're going to talk about his um, property breakdown and portfolio. He previously had a 15-year career in IT, but he left to pursue startups and IT consulting. He's been a full-time real estate investor for three years now. And his first property was a mixed-use property, where he saw the uh, both residential and commercial pros and cons and uh, helped him make an, an educated decision on what he wanted to pursue. With that being said, Ash, you want to give the Best Ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on?
0: Sure. I was born and raised in New Jersey. Went to school in Indiana, got a job in Cincinnati. Uh, my background was in IT. Had a great IT career for almost 15 years. And decided at the age of 35 to go out on my own, um, got involved with some startups, and real estate was kind of a side effect. Uh, I needed a way to offset some taxes, and I've always heard real estate investing has some tax benefits, but I never knew what they were. I just figured I'll dive right in and see uh, see what happens. So my first property was a mixed-use building in a college town. In hindsight, it probably was not a great first property. It had a a lot of damage, roof needed to be replaced, mechanical, structural issues. All the tenants had vacated from the apartments. However, there was a corner grocery store on the first floor, and that's what attracted me to this property. So uh, got got, got the closing done on it, Uh, started moving forward with the rehab, and really just learned as I was doing things, learned by mistakes. And that property exposed me to a number of things. One, it exposed me to uh, rehabbing, uh, marketing, trying to get tenants into the apartments. And most importantly, it exposed me to being a landlord to both residential and commercial tenants. And I saw the, the vast differences between the two and really fell in love with the commercial side of real estate.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, You have uh, piqued my curiosity, and we're going to explore that in detail, the differences between residential and commercial tenants. Um, Before we do, I'd love to hear uh, some more details around this first property. Uh, You said it was mixed use in a college town. How many tenants did you have, both commercial and residential, and what college town?
0: So it's University of Cincinnati. It's a Clifton. Um, there was three two-bedroom apartments inside the building. There was one uh, commercial tenant who occupied the store. The apartments were uninhabitable. Uh, there was water damage. Appliances were failing. HVAC wasn't working. The the previous owner really let the place go. He was just siphoning as much money as he could out of it. And finally, uh, you know, he had enough and couldn't afford the payments anymore.
1: With with that property, how'd you find it?
0: Uh, It was just residential MLS. I looked for probably about six months and uh, didn't really even know what I was looking for. But again, yeah, I I was looking at residential, commercial, mixed use. Um, And there's something about the college town and having the commercial tenant already there that was really appealing. What did you buy it for? The purchase on that was two thirty eight,
1: two hundred thirty eight thousand. Correct. And um, what what year was this? It was in
0: two thousand twelve.
1: With uh, with the purchase, uh, did you go in knowing that you'd be spending money on the rehabs and having a plan?
0: You know, um, I knew there were some cosmetics to deal with. <laughs> I had no idea that when the roofers would get on to uh, re-roof the place, there is bricks from a three story chimney falling down to the sidewalk. So imagine, (laughs) you know, my fear was these college kids are walking by and all of a sudden three stories worth of bricks collapses on somebody. So really it was a can of worms, everything that we got into just exposed additional problems. Uh, But luckily it all ended up working out. Have a great group of contractors now, um, but you know we just as each problem came up, we tackled it, and it was all uh, inexperience on my part, but learning as I went.
1: Roughly or exactly, depending on uh, your your memory and and how methodical you are, how much did you spend on turning the property around?
0: I would say between forty and fifty thousand dollars. Okay.
1: What do you think it's worth right now?
0: Uh, we've had offers for 350 on it, or I've had offers for $350. Um, and that was a low-ball offer from an investor, unsolicited. Uh, I would say, conservatively, about 400
1: Awesome. And is the same uh, grocery store
0: there? They are. We signed them to a long-term lease. We increased their rent before I bought the building. Uh, They try to get smart and sign a lease with the previous uh, owner. And um, it turns out in Ohio, there's a stipulation where any lease over three years has to be notarized to be valid. So we ended up going to court and um, winning a judgment on that invalid lease. So uh, the tenants are phenomenal people. They've been there for eight years. Very good friends of mine now and whenever we have to battle over something very amicable you know we know it's just business we'll go out and have a drink afterwards but now they're paying about 50% more than what they were paying
1: and what what is what is it what's the rent bring in for that plus the other uh four or three units
0: the store has about 3000 square feet and they pay 2600 a month the apartments are 700 700 and 800 so roughly uh, 4,800 per month.
1: Now let's, let's talk about the differences because you've, you've – on that first property – well, first before – I, I, I want to get to this, but I, I also want to set the, the context um, really quick. What's your portfolio right now consist of? And then we'll talk about the differences between the, these two tenants.
0: It's a total of seven properties. It's everything from uh, an office building that's three stories, uh, a medical center – uh, some standalone retail strip mall, uh, some residential single family homes, and this mixed use building. <laughs> so, I guess, you know, I, I don't have an MO really. Uh, no, you don't. <laughs> I, I just uh, look and look and look, and something just pop, pops out at me, um, and I explore it, chase it. And I don't have a rhyme or reason to uh, how I select these properties, but, um, you know, it's just endless hours of searching. And then finally, Something just works.
1: Wow. Well, let, let's, let's, th- there's in that portfolio of office building, medical center, standalone retail, strip mall, mixed use, single family, it's heavy handed on commercial. Let's talk about this. Why have you, what have you seen as far as the differences between commercial and residential tenants?
0: So with residential, you know, one of the reasons people don't get involved with residential is the proverbial, uh, toilets clogged up or overflowing in the middle of the night call. And that really does hold true with commercial tenants. Um, one, they typically don't operate overnight. And two, if their toilet does overflow, it's usually on them. If their heating and air unit goes out, it's usually their responsibility. Uh, with residential, anything that happens in the apartment or single family home is typically the landlord's responsibility. With commercial, you're usually responsible for parking lot, exterior, roof, and sometimes mechanicals. In addition to less landlord responsibilities, uh, other benefits of commercial is you can increase the value by either decreasing your expenses or increasing your revenue. With uh, residential, I'll give you a good example. I was at a friend's house this weekend. He was talking about remodeling his kitchen And I asked him if he would actually get back the money that he put into it. His response was great. And he said, no matter how much we spend on the kitchen remodel, our house will always be worth plus or minus $5,000 of the last sale in this neighborhood. So, you know, no matter how much you improve a house, you're tied to the comps of the neighborhood. As far as the value of it goes with commercial, you can have, a rundown block building, not rundown, you can have a block building, metal roof, and all of a sudden get somebody like Dollar General to sign a lease and you've quadrupled the value of your building. So commercial values are based on cap rates uh, and that's a direct correlation to decreasing expenses and increasing revenue.
1: You've got a whole different variety pack of properties. Which one is your most... And do you manage them? I do. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's why you're you're doing the full time thing. Which one is your most time intensive?
0: The residential. Um,
1: the how many how many homes do you have?
0: Um, I'm down to just three.
1: And those ta- those three homes take more time
0: than any of those other things. You know, in the past, between the homes and the apartments, they did uh, most recently the office building. Again, you know, I don't uh, I, I shoot from the hip pretty often. I bought an office building that was vacant for five years. It was bank owned, uh, roughly 10,000 square feet over three stories. And for the last year that's consumed almost hundred percent of my time. I had no idea how difficult it was to fill office space. Uh, but once it's full, you know, it's just like any other commercial property, it kind of runs itself. Whereas the residential, you know, you still have those recurring issues with plumbing, electric, HVAC roof. Uh, all that good stuff. But again, commercial, I think it's the most hands-off, passive way to generate income in real estate.
1: And just a point of clarification for the best ever listeners, uh, when you're saying residential and you're talking about apartments, you still can increase the value with apartment communities by decreasing expenses or increasing income. But the the less landlord responsibilities certainly um, d- don't apply to that because you do have the different mechanicals, as you said.
0: Good point. And, you know, the reason I'm stressing commercial is I've seen a lot of forum posts where, for whatever reason, people are just scared of commercial properties because they assume it's this whole other animal that they know nothing about. And quite honestly, it's, it's fairly similar to residential. The big differences are, um, you know, it's harder to find commercial tenants, but they usually stay longer. Uh, the costs are much higher with the commercial, but so are the revenues and the profits. So anyone that has an inclination to look or explore commercial properties should keep these mental barriers from having them move forward.
1: You mentioned that, uh, I believe you said that the office building was vacant for five years. Correct. Is that right? Yeah, it was a bank, and... bank
0: owned for five years.
1: Bank owned for five years, and that's consumed the mo the majority of your time this past year, one hundred percent, to get it leased up. How many different tenants do you have in that building?
0: We have nine tenants uh, that take anywhere from three hundred to three thousand square feet each. How
1: did you lease it up, and and what's the what type of tenants are they like business wise?
0: Yeah, so uh, the tenants are a mix of. Photographers, accountants, Uh, we have somebody that does corporate background checks. Uh, We have a massage, a medical massage therapist, um, a recording studio, a music academy. So we uh, tried all of our traditional marketing techniques, you know, the Facebook, the online, word of mouth, flyers, uh, phone calls, pounding the pavement, and none of those were really effective. And the kicker in this whole thing was we put up a $20 Home Depot for rent sign in front of this building and that actually generated the most number of leads. So it's really odd, but none of our other marketing tactics worked. So we just kept adapting, trying different things and that little for rent sign worked. And I think one of the reasons it did work was for five years, people were so used to driving by this building and seeing it just you know not really looking twice at it It was vacant they just assumed that was a vacant building and all of a sudden when they see that for rent sign really close to the road it kind of made them do a double take I had huge banners on the building that said space available but people were just so used to not looking at that property and a little for rent sign did most of our work what
1: what did you have to do Um, Or maybe the better question is, what didn't you have to do do to that building after it was vacant for five years? The the bank um,
0: let the sump pumps uh, fail. They stopped paying the electric bill. Sump pumps failed. The whole first floor was flooded. So we had a fair amount of rehab flood damage to contend with. Um, The building was built in 2007. The original builder ran out of money, so it wasn't. Uh, completed on the inside a lot of it was white boxed which means just drywall and plywood floors wasn't painted Uh, so we really had to come in there and finish the building Uh, didn't have to do a whole lot in terms of putting up walls but a lot of cosmetics uh, new doors new railings Uh, there was just a lot of substandard work done in the building so uh, about four months worth of renovations and Two to three months of heavy marketing to fill the building.
1: You say we whenever you're talking about posting ads and putting a, a sign
0: up. Who's we? It's actually all me. I have uh, a marketing <laughs> person that uh, I, he's on commission. Um, so he's kind of a freelance marketing guy that uh, when he has time, he'll help me out with projects and uh, help market the building, help showings. Uh, but really, is he just, a broker? No, no, just uh, he's an artist. <laughs> he's an artist, yeah, and just a friend of mine that um, will pitch in when he can. But for the most part, all of this is done by me.
1: And you're, are you a real estate uh, agent or broker? I'm not. Okay, how did you get access to the MLS for these properties? It's
0: just the uh, uh, the consumer side of it, where you just go to uh, the website and search, just like any other buyer would. So I don't have uh, the password-protected version of the MLS. It's just the, the consumer side of things. And
1: so what what's the URL?
0: Uh, I go to c- c- com, but you can go to realtor.com. You can go to any of the brokers. Uh, we'll display the local MLS database. It's just uh, some are more user-friendly than others.
1: Got it. You've got a uh, different I mean like going back to the theme here, well, there's a couple themes, but you, you've got a whole different mixed bag of of investment properties, mostly commercial. How did you learn to underwrite them?
0: Um, the first one or two, I didn't know how to underwrite them. Um, I just saw the potential in the future of the property uh, but you know again, my first most of my properties i buy when they're vacant so it's hard to judge what the potential revenue or expenses will be now that i've been doing it for a while i can estimate based on other properties that i own what the expenses would be i know what the going uh, price per square foot would would be so it gives me a way to put together a rough pro forma but most of the time i bank um, on commercial real estate bouncing back, which it's on the verge of doing. Um, It's getting harder to find deals with commercial real estate, just like with residential. A lot of people uh, say, you know, all the deals have dried up commercials, not there yet, but um, getting close. So really it's uh, the first couple were shoot from the hip and now I've done it for a while. So uh, I've got some numbers that I can use as a benchmark.
1: Would you, Recommend that approach for someone looking to replicate what you've done?
0: Uh, If it's the difference between not pulling the trigger ever and getting into it, I would say yes. There's so many people who uh, will sit there and overanalyze every deal and never pull the trigger. And quite honestly, if I had done that with some of these properties, they probably wouldn't have made sense on paper. But once they're up and running – Things progress and they make money. So I would only recommend that if uh, it's somebody that needs that little extra push to pull the trigger. With
1: the office building, how much did you pay for it?
0: Uh, we paid two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And when you you said we again, said, is it who is who's this? I we? say we because it's uh, my wife and I. I mean, okay, my wife has a full time job. She doesn't. Uh, she hasn't even been to half of the properties that I own. So we kind of have two distinct career paths. Okay. Uh, but our money is pulled together, I suppose.
1: Two hundred and fifty purchase price, how much did you put into it?
0: Uh, that one we're close to or I'm close to about ninety thousand dollars. And what do you think it's worth now? We have an offer that I turned down for four ninety five. So, so
1: five hundred, yeah. yep. So you got about 150, hundred and fifty, hundred and sixty
0: K. That's correct. And all of our first year rents are discounted because I wanted to get the building full get the momentum going. Uh, It was very hard for people to become the first or second tenant into an empty building. Nobody wanted to be the only tenant in a three story building. So because of that, all of our first year rents were severely discounted. In year two, the revenues should increase significantly. And the value of the building should increase as well.
1: What's an example of a discounted rent for year one?
0: Um, So 3,000 square feet. uh, The tenant signed for $1,500 a month knowing that year two, the rent will be 3,000 per month.
1: What type of of contract do you have in place that makes sure that they don't leave after what year one? Well,
0: we don't. We signed one-year leases specifically so we can renegotiate in year two. And what we'll do is several months before the leases expire, we'll see if those tenants are successful and if they want to continue, we'll get closer to market rents. If they decide it's not for them, they're going to move on, then that'll give us adequate time to try to find new tenants. And again, having a building that's full makes it so much easier to find tenants. You could, you know, when there's a waiting list, the demand just increases. So, it was overcoming that hurdle of having an empty building or having a building that was empty for five years. And where's that property in Cincinnati? It's in Mainville, which is uh, North of Loveland. It's North East side of Cincinnati outside of the loop, small town of two square miles, uh, which is another hindrance for this property. It's, it's not one of the booming suburbs. It's more of a quiet laid back small town feel.
1: Ash, what's your best real estate investing advice ever?
0: Be absolutely relentless on finding and chasing deals. Uh, I'll give you an example. So every single day for the last three years, about five times a day, I look at every new commercial property that comes online in about seven counties. It may sound like a lot, but you you set up your saved searches where uh, these real estate sites will just spit out every new property since your last visit. And um, doing that, I found most of my deals where they were very highly in demand. For example, had a strip mall that came online on a Friday night. I was in bed, probably 11 o'clock at night, doing one last search. And I saw a strip mall that the numbers just didn't add up. It was for $645,000 purchase price or sale price. And the net operating income was $115,000 per year. On a triple net strip mall. So uh, I was baffled, didn't know if it was a mistake or what. So I stayed up all night researching everything I can find about the mall, the realtor, the tenants. Saturday morning, as soon as it was uh, okay to start calling people, I started tracking down this listing realtor and finally got a hold of him and made the offer, negotiated. By Sunday night, we had an executed contract. By Monday morning, he had several cash offers for over $800,000. So my purchase price in this building was 625 dollars And in less than a year, I've got a contract to sell it for $990,000 with really no money into the building. So the, the moral of that story is constantly search for deals. Never wait for a realtor to call you and say, hey, I got a deal. Don't wait for the wholesalers to call you. Just be absolutely relentless. Another example of that was um, a, a retail building that um, actually the office building would be a better example. So this building was on the MLS for a couple of years, and um, all of a sudden, there was a drastic price reduction. So I tried to track down the listing realtor, couldn't get a hold of him. So I tracked down his colleagues, his employees, even his previous uh, company that he worked at couldn't get a hold of this guy. Got on Google Maps, and as a last resort, I saw an old realtor sign on Google Street View. So I called that realtor. Turns out he was good friends with the listing realtor. We got together and got this deal done while there was already a pending offer, so to speak. It was an inside deal that we went around, but um, the point is, you know, if, if I wasn't relentless on every one of these deals, I probably would have lost them.
1: Hmm. What two powerful examples with, um, with all these properties, how are you financing them?
0: Um, I found a really good local bank. I've tried, um, some of the regional banks. I've tried the bigger banks and the deals that I bring them don't fit their criteria mostly because there's no cash flow on them. Um, nobody wants to finance a building that's not producing any revenue. So this one bank, um, they took a chance on me with the first one, the second one. And now whenever I bring them a deal, they're confident in my ability to turn them around. So I probably pay a little higher, but they get the deals done for me and it's a uh, 30% down just pretty conventional financing
1: 30 percent down um but you're you're able to um get it get de- get these properties finance where others likely would have an issue doing yeah,
0: it Yeah I you know the same deals I've brought to other smaller banks and they wouldn't touch them What's the name of the bank you It's use? Center Bank C-E-N-T-R-E? C-E-N-T-E-R.
1: C N T. Oh, C-E-N-T-E-R, the traditional spelling. <laughs>
0: yeah, they've got, uh, I think, two or three locations in Cincinnati.
1: You ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. If you need money for your flipping project, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. You'll know within 30 seconds if you're approved or not to get money for your residential flip. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Would you like to invest in real estate while also living a balanced life? Well, yeah, that sounds nice, right? Go check out our best ever guest, Chad Carson's newsletter. And by the way, his episode's 457, really good episode. Um, He talks in his newsletter all about real estate, entrepreneurship, and life. Uh, So his website is Coach CoachCarson, C-O-A-C-H-C-A-R-S-O-N.com. And there's also a free investor toolkit as well at Coach Carson. Best ever book you've read.
0: Oh, people might tarn feather me for this, but I'm going to say it's called Trump Strategies for Real Estate, and it was written by his attorney, George Ross.
1: Yeah, it's it's amazing um, how uh, everybody writes for Trump, but when you look at the book, it's just his Trump's big old face
0: on that's true on, on the cover. However, George Ross, he's been his attorney from uh, his first deal, so this is a guy who's got intimate knowledge of his inner workings. Of their organization, so it was from a different perspective, and uh, some pretty valuable information there.
1: Is is are there commercial principles in that book?
0: Yeah, you know, the one that strikes me is uh, his advice was always borrow as much as you can for as long as you can. And I know there's a lot of people who debate, you know, should I pay this off early? I want to be debt free, but uh, the more I talk to some of the old school commercial guys that have been around for a lot of years. They've always practiced that philosophy. Borrow as much as you can for as long as you can.
1: Best ever personal growth experience and what did you learn from it?
0: Oh, I think uh, either having kids or through the years I've started a lot of businesses. And some worked out, some haven't. So I think you learn a lot from all of your failures.
1: What's What's one specific thing you've learned?
0: Um, oh, good question. Uh, one of the companies that I started, I called AmazonSupplements.com. It was a great company, it was making a fair amount of money, and then we got sued by Amazon.com. <laughs> and uh, you know, I, th- I, th- I thought I had my eyes uh, dotted and T's crossed because um, I don't believe that they could trademark everything that has to do with Amazon, which is a jungle. But turns out, you know, us <laughs> trying to piggyback on that name recognition uh, got us in a fair amount of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> best ever deal you've done oh, it's got to be the strip mall uh, you know purchased 625 uh, sold it for 990 in less than a year
1: best ever way you like to give back
0: uh, I've helped a number of people get businesses off the ground and I'll spend as much time as they will put effort in so whether it's somebody that wants to get into real estate or start any kind of business I'll teach them everything that I've learned mostly from my mistakes. Uh, Things like setting up their LLCs or marketing, uh, all the back end stuff. So anyone that wants the help, I'll give them as much as I can.
1: What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate so far?
0: Uh, Because I didn't anticipate me becoming a real estate investor, I let the back end of the business get away from me. So my first deal, you know, I thought would be a one and done. I intermingled my personal finances with the business. Uh, didn't keep accurate records of things and it took me a while to finally get a grasp of things and organize all of the back end accounting to make sense. So tax time the first two years was a nightmare. Now it's a little easier.
1: What's the best ever place, the best ever listeners can reach you?
0: Uh, you know, you can email me at ashbs as and boy patel at gmail.com or find me on Bigger Pockets.
1: Ash, this has been a wonderful conversation. Learning all the different types of investing, uh, commercial real estate investing uh, strategies that you implement, and the, the buildings that you buy—from office you know, office building to medical center to standalone retail, a strip mall, a mixed use—and then you got some single families. Um, the office building example where it was vacant for five years, and you know, walking us through or talking us through how you got the nine tenants in there from vacant to um, occupied and, you know, the rent concessions getting specific with the rent concessions that you um, are doing with the overall strategy too, you know, with the eye towards the future, um, you know, and I, I, I think with the, you know, the, the the condition that it was in, my goodness, that would certainly um, turn away most people, but you were Uh, actively pouncing on it. And as you said, you gave us some context later in our conversation where uh, you were tracking down the listing broker um, through Google Maps and you found someone who knows him and uh, ended up getting a, a deal done while other offers were pending. And then the relentless nature of, I suspect it's not just finding and chasing deals with you. I suspect it's your relentless nature in general in business. Um, and, and perhaps other things as well. Um, but you said just in chasing deals, I, I think it's going to carry over in other things, I imagine, if we were spend more time with you. And one of those examples, uh, well, one would be the office. Two would be the strip mall. Came online Friday night. You did research. You had an executed contract by Sunday night, uh, and there were cash offers on Monday that were beat out. And then in less than a year, it's going to be selling for uh, about a million bucks and you purchased it for uh, 6 about about 6 645 or so. I think you mentioned there's uh, some a little reduction from that probably 625 or right. something. Yeah, yeah, probably like 20,000 concessions it sounds like. What wonderful conversation. Thanks so much for being on the show sharing your um, perspective on commercial real estate investing. Uh, why you do commercial, why you focus on it. And why you leave the residential um, stuff to other people who um, want to deal with that. So, thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have the best ever day, and we'll talk to
0: you soon. Thanks, Joan. Thanks to all the best ever listeners. Take care.
1: I want to mention Fund That Flip because Fund That Flip is an online lender that gives you fast, convenient access to really affordable money that you need for your flip project. So if you're doing residential flips, then the main thing I imagine that you're focused on, uh, or the main two things, are the deal and the money. Uh, So if you've got the deal pipeline but you need access to cash and you want to build a reputation within a, a group that will continue to invest their dollars into your deals, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. The founder of Fund That Flip is Matt Rodak, and he's actually one of my very first guests on the show. It's episode number seven. Um, So if you have a chance, go check that out too, familiarize yourself with Matt and what he's all about. But when you're needing money and you want an online lender that provides fast, convenient access to affordable capital for your flipping projects, then Fund That Flip's the way to go. Their team has over 200 deals under their belt and, uh, you can actually, this is crazy, you can actually be approved immediately within 30 seconds once you put in your information. Uh, so go to fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever and get some money for your flipping projects. Would you like to invest in real estate while also living a balanced life? Well, yeah, that sounds nice, right? Go check out our best ever guest Chad Carson's newsletter, and by the way, it's episode four hundred and fifty-seven. Really good episode. Um, he talks in his newsletter all about real estate entrepreneurship and life. Uh, so his website is Coach Carson c o a c h c a r s o n dot com, and there's also a free investor toolkit as well at Coach Carson.